You're listening to the podcast of Williamsburg Christian Church, a community of faith joining God's pursuit of restoring lives. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast. So uh, Mike is going to offer a word today at Theology Thursday, which I uh, highly, along with naming your child Randall and Jonathan, I recommend that you come to Theology Thursday when it launches back up in January. Uh, It's a time where we take uh, the word that is offered here to task and get deep. Well, one one Thursday night, Mike decided to just lay this like drop mic, like mic drop thing down five minutes toward the end of Theology Thursday. And I texted him afterwards. I was like, you got to. You got to offer that to us on a Sunday. And so Mike was set to do that one Sunday. I was gone and wasn't feeling well. And so we reset it and thought, Mike, this is the time to do it. So Mike's going to offer a word to us today. Um, I'm going to adjust the thermostat, and he's going to offer a word, and uh, we're going to carry on. So Mike, why don't you come up, brother, and offer us the word today? Yeah, you want? Yeah, I got you. I got I got you. Well, good morning. Good morning. So since we're, like, hyper-focused on names... My name is Mike McGee, uh, Michael. I am named after an archangel, so beat that, Jonathan. (laughs) (laughs) And Randall. Uh, It is great to be back here in front of everyone today. Um, We have been talking about this series, Gripping, Grasping, and Giving, and we've sort of, it's branched off into different conversations. Right now we're kind of understanding joy and anchoring our understanding of joy amidst everything that we're all going through. So um, whether you have been diagnosed with something horrible or some heartbreak in your family, you've lost someone near you, or just the, the, the daily ins and outs of life are really kind of crushing you, um, we want healing, um, but oftentimes it doesn't look the way we want or feel like we need it to look. Um, Fred, Fred does a wonderful job of, of grounding our understanding of joy as belonging. Right? God, God creates a family for us, and within that family, there's, there's belonging. We are welcomed into God's family, and that's so critical to our conversation today. Um, our central texts are going to be in Deuteronomy, um, but we're going to jump around a little bit. So let's, let's just start and, and go to our Father together. <clears throat> God in heaven, thank you for your presence Thank you for the way that you accompany us, speak for us, speak to our hearts. Uh, We are incapable of transferring what is in our minds six inches down to our heart. So we ask that you would write upon our hearts today. We ask that you would make clear what your desire is for each one of us. Bring healing, bring restoration, bring life to the broken places and the dead things in our life. We welcome you, Spirit. Do your work within us. Have free reign. We praise you. We love you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, um, for those of you who are married, uh, when we marry, or those of you who are open to get married, when we get married, uh, we marry into things, right? So we marry into family, uh, we marry into personalities, cultural background. When I married my wife, Darnay, I married into this. <laughs> Raise your hands if you know what I'm talking about. Show of hands if you know what this is. Oh, man, such a difference from first service. The students are looking like... Like, this is a TV show, and I know every one of you are going to rush home and stream it. All of the students I'm talking to are like, no. Uh, this is a show called The Golden Girls. came out in the 80s, and my wife was a huge fan. Now, full disclosure, 
Um, I wouldn't have ever gone near this show without my wife. I would have stayed far away from it, just looking at this picture would have given me the willies. Um, <laughs> I'm dating myself a little bit. Every one of you raise your hand. You're dating yourself as well. Um, but she loved this show. And so over the course of time that we were married, I grew to laugh along with her. We had fun together, even though it's not something I would have gravitated to, but hey, that's what you kind of do with the ones you love, right? And the matriarch of the family, the little one right in the front, that's Sophia. Um, she's sort of an old school Sicilian mama. And she's the matriarch of the family. She brings them all together, and she does it with stories. And that's how we're all united. We're united by stories. Every one of us who became believers jumped on a moving train that's been traveling for thousands of years all the way back to our father, Abraham. So Sophia had a way of telling stories. She would always start with, picture this. And the hands too, right? She'd say, picture this, Sicily, 1929, or something like that. So I want you to picture this. Book of Deuteronomy. The people of Israel come to a place called the Plains of Moab. The Plains of Moab right are in modern-day Jordan. They're about an hour and a half drive from Jerusalem. And it's called Tel el-Haman in modern-day Jordan, and it looks like this. And this. And this. And beautiful date palms. So... In Scripture, the, the people of Israel wander for 40 years in the, in, the, in the wilderness after they leave Egypt. Because you can leave Egypt, but it's hard to get Egypt to leave you. And so through their disobedience and struggles, God has them wander. And they, they have various places that they stop at along their route. They took the circuitous route from, from Egypt all the way into the Promised Land, which is now modern-day Israel. And there's 40 what we call, what scholars call stations of the Exodus. These are places where the Israelites stopped. They, they, they made camp. God spoke to them. Something happened there. There's more than 40 of them, and this is the last one they come to. So this is the plains of Moab, and you can see uh, sort of middle to your right, just east of, of the Jordan River, there's a place in red called the Mount Nebo. That is the place where Moses died. So he's standing on the plains of, of the plains of Moab, and he's giving this message to the people that he wants to, it to resonate with them. And he knows he's not going to the promised land. He knows he's about to die. He will make his peace, climb up the mountain, and die with the Lord at his side. So Moses stands on this plain, this beloved nation, his farewell sermon, if you will. And what is his goal? His goal is to remind the people of who they are, what they've done, who God is and what his decrees are for them. Now, it's really important here to understand the word law because in particularly in the West, we have a notion of law and it's almost always judicial. It's all, almost always punitive, right? The law, for some of us, the law has worked against us. The law has not been something we smile upon because maybe we're from a marginalized community. For others, the law makes us feel secure. I'm talking about the law of the land. Well, God's law is different. We use that word, but it is different. So Moses starts with a story, as all great preachers do, and interlaced with proclamations of God's goodness are long narratives of the people's disobedience followed by God's decrees and laws. And I want to I talk about those two words. So the word decree in Hebrew is the word chok, and it actually means something desired. 
Now, again, the way we conceptualize a decree in, in the West is very different than something desired. And then the word law is the word mishpat, which means justice. So God gives his desires and his justice to the people. That's a far cry from how we tend to conceptualize the word law, right? So I kind of want to anchor our understanding of what God's doing here in that, that God is giving his desires and his justice to the people. So for the first 14 chapters of Deuteronomy, Moses follows a pattern. In chapters 1, or, one, and, 1 through 4, Moses retells the stories of the people's disobedience. He calls out the specific things they did that broke their, their sort of link to God, and they had to repent. Chapters 5 and 6 contain decrees and law. Then 7 through 11, Moses goes back and retells the story, and then 12 through 14 goes back to decrees and law. So reminder, law, reminder, law. That's actually how the first half or two-thirds of the book of Deuteronomy is. So within this pattern, two verses are prominent in particular. I'd like to read those. Deuteronomy 7, 6 says, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of this earth. And I highlight that, that phrase, treasured possession. We see it again in Deuteronomy 14, 2. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God, and the Lord has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of this earth. Why is that significant? It's significant because that phrase, treasure possession, is a phrase that is only used six times in the entire Old Testament. It contains the word segula. This word segula means something treasured to a person. But when you pair that word segula with the word am, A-H-M, am meaning people, you become a treasured people that is a possession to someone. God uses this phrase. It originated with his speaking to, to Moses, and Moses then speaks to the people about it. It's not a throwaway word. It's purposefully used. It's beautiful. And, and here's the thing. In the English language, we have about 150,000 or so root words. In the Hebrew language, scholars estimate they range from about two to 4,000 root words. Huge difference there, yet how many times have we seen that English does not capture, it doesn't do a good job of capturing the breadth and the depth and the beauty of what's in Hebrew. We just saw it with decree and justice, we translate as law. So our, our wide, our wide uh, base of, not, of, of words is not great at describing the, 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 the depth of the Hebrew language. So the people need to know that despite their sin, they are his. They are treasured to him. They are a treasured possession. So I want everybody to stand up. Hung, if you go to the next slide. So, mm, yummy processed stuff. All right, so it's time for one of these beautifully cheesy moments that can only happen in church. So I want you to look to somebody near you and say, you are God's treasured possession. <laughs> All right. Do it without laughing. Um, now say to someone else, you are God's treasured possession. 
All right, now put your hand over your heart and say, I am God's treasure possession. All right, you can sit down. Okay. So the first time that we see this phrase, treasure possession, is in the book of Exodus. It's not a coincidence here that we see this phrase when it occurs. So context here, God calls Moses up Mount Sinai. And at Mount Sinai, we know because at Mount, and on top of Mount Sinai, God gives Moses the... Ten Commandments, the law, right? The decrees, the justice. But before he gives them, gives Moses these decrees, these laws, he speaks this word, this uh, verse out. On exactly the third month anniversary of the Israelites leaving the land of Egypt, they come into the Sinai Desert. They travel from Rephidim, come into the Sinai Desert, and set up camp there. Israel camped there in front of the mountain while Moses went up to God. <clears throat> the Lord called to him from the mountain, This is what you should say to Jacob's household and declare to the Israelites. You saw what I did to the Egyptians and how I lifted you up on eagles' wings and brought you to me. So now if you faithfully obey me and stay true to my covenant, you will be my most precious possession out of all peoples since the whole earth belongs to me. So, precious possession, treasure possession, Different translation. So notice the language here. Before the law is given, God wanted the people to understand how precious and treasured they are. Because remember the purpose of the law. It's not punitive. It's not controlling. God is forming a people. A people that wandered. A people that struggled with their identity. He is forming a people. And ultimately, what is this people's goal? It's to be a light to the nations. These people were going to be distinct from every culture that was around them. They were going to look different because their God was different. And ultimately, because it was never just about the Hebrew people, they were going to be a light to the nations. That's the purpose here. God was forming a people who did not know their identity yet. Next, in Deuteronomy 26, so again, the same pattern through Deuteronomy. Reminder, law, reminder, law. In Deuteronomy 26, this very moment, the Lord your God is commanding you to keep these regulations and case laws. So keep them and do them with all your mind and with your entire being. Today you have affirmed that the Lord will be your God and that you will walk in his ways and follow his commandments, or his regulations, his commandments, and his case laws, and that you will obey his voice. Today the Lord has gotten your agreement that you will be his treasured people, just like he promised by keeping his commandments. Same sort of narrative. Okay, this, again, this is, this is a, with a giant highlighter pen. God is calling something out to anchor the people, to constantly remind them, and each one of you needs to be reminded of this today. This is who they are. Now, the word segolah minus the word am, we see in the Bible twice more. Here we see it in 1 Chronicles 29.3. Then King David said to the whole assembly, My son Solomon, the one whom God chose, is too inexperienced for this great task, since this temple won't be for humans, but for the Lord God. Using every resource at my disposal, I provided everything for my God's temple. Gold for gold objects, silver for silver objects, bronze for bronze objects, iron for iron objects, lumber for wooden objects. 
carnelian stones for setting, antimony, colorful stones, every kind of precious stone, and a large amount of marble. What's more, because of my delight in my God's temple, I have dedicated my own private treasure of gold and silver to my God's temple in addition to all that I provided for the holy temple. So that word, that phrase, private treasure, is the word segulah. This is man's frail attempt to use this holy phrase. A phrase that God himself first sent to the people, sent to Moses, David gives of what is precious to David, gold and silver. Now how ironic is that? He takes a holy word and he uses it to describe what's precious to him, his gold and his treasure. Now, what's, how do we know that? Well, so David desperately wanted to build a temple for God. Right? That, that was his desire because David misunderstood that God was talking about a dwelling place and David assumed that it was one thing. But God said, God, in his accommodating way, God said, you're not going to build it. Your son's going to build it. But guess what David did? David drew up the plans. David was the architect. David commissioned builders from all over the kingdom. David did pretty much everything that what we call Solomon's temple may as well be called David's temple. Because David did everything. In fact, really the only thing that Solomon did is say start. But David even told him, say start. It was everything David against what God told him to do. So is it any wonder that this is David's segulah? So he had a struggle here. God still filled the temple with his glory because that's just what God does. He fills us each with his glory even through all of our mishaps. Next, Psalm. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord's name. All you who serve the Lord, praise God. All you who stand in the Lord's house, who stand in the, temp the courtyards, of God's temple, praise the Lord, because the Lord is good. Sing praises to God's name because it is beautiful, because the Lord chose Jacob as his own, God chose Israel as his treasured possession. And finally, jump all the way ahead to Malachi. Then those who fear the Lord talked with each other, and the Lord listened and heard. A scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his name. On the day when I act, says the Lord God Almighty, they will be my treasured possession. I will spare them just as my father has compassion and spares his son who serves him. So you see, Exodus, Malachi, that's the span just about of the entire Hebrew scriptures. Same narrative, same thing God is saying. So should we be surprised when this shows up in the New Testament? Christian scriptures. It's almost like this is a theme. So we jump ahead to 1 Peter, the same forming of the people. This time, Jesus does what it was, says what it was always intended. He opens the gospel up, the good news to the, all the nations, which was always God's purpose. So we read in 1 Peter 2.9, Peter writes, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Right? And that's our who we are statement. So from beginning of scripture to the end, it's a theme, beloved. So what's the point? For each of us, what is the point in our daily, daily struggles? So I want to share with you a little piece of me. Um, 
i want to show a video a song in video form that's been a great deal to me over the last three and a half years so if you give it a chance listen to the read the lyrics the lyrics appear at the bottom of the video listen to the song try to hear what the singer is saying because I think it speaks a great deal to, to, to how God sees us as his treasured possessions and how we fumble our way through this broken life and broken body.
Rocks in the Weeds, sung by John Mark McMillan. Um, that was a long time I couldn't get through listening to that uh, without Niagara Falls. Uh, it just really spoke to what I was going through because as many of you know, I was diagnosed with cancer in my eye, my right eye in February of 20. Um, I was told it was going to be kill the cancer, I might lose my eye, but I was going to move on with my life just fine. Didn't happen. For whatever reason, I uh, developed migraines 24-7 um, and still struggle with this on a daily basis. Um, I don't have answers for that. Um, there's been many signposts and meaningful moments for me over that time. This is just one of them. And during those painful, despairing years, I needed to know that Yahweh saw me spread out on the road amidst the rocks and tangled in the weeds, and that I was still his treasured possession, and that there was a church full of treasured possessions that loved me. And I want to, to give a shout-out to Garrett, um, because Garrett boldly shares his testimony of his accident many years removed and as someone who struggles to want to share their testimony about what they're going through because there's no period at the end of the sentence right it's just dot 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 it's hard to get up because it takes courage that garrett has modeled for us because every time you get up and share a testimony of pain and trauma part of you relives that Feel that again and again. But what's bigger is what God has done in you and through you. And it's important to proclaim him during those times. And I don't know much. I don't have answers for heartbreaks or cancers. But I know that there's a Savior that suffers them with me. And in a time where so many folks in our church have cancer, have lost loved ones unexpectedly, or have experienced unimaginable Tragedy and trauma, this phrase is needed. We need to take this so far. We need to shout with a loud voice, I am God's treasured possession. You are God's treasured possession. We are God's treasured possession. And when that singer says that God peopled with his dreams, it's his way of saying that God's dreams, if you will, were realized in a people. That he put flesh on a soul and his dreams were realized in us and it means so much to him we mean so much to him and if we can anchor our understanding of our identity in that with that know that we are his people that we are treasured and beloved to him then guess what we're going to do we're going to treasure all of our neighbors we're going to go out and live like that because we know who we are we're going to go out and change things around us. Because you never just hold it in. If you know you're treasured, you have to treat others that way. So I want to say our who we are again together. I want to declare that together with an understanding of who we are as treasured possessions. So let's grab your worship guide. I said program in the first service and Fred would not let it go. Um, 
So grab your worship guide, dig into your memory bank, and let's say our who we are together. Let's declare it to ourselves and to one another. We are chosen descendants, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession to proclaim the mighty deeds of the one who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. You're listening to the podcast of Williamsburg Christian Church, a community of faith joining God's pursuit of restoring lives. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast.